How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Peace be to you who reads. And the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, and spit upon him, and scourge him, and kill him. And after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant of James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, 
You know that those who are supposed to rule over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came also not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you. Peace be to you who proclaims the good tidings and to all the In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week in his homily, Father Theodore spoke to us about the latter divine ascent, and he both identified and shared with us a few words concerning each of the 30 steps, something he said he had never done before in any of his homilies. I don't know how many of, it, how many of you were provoked to go and get that book and start reading it, or if you had it, to start reading it, but it certainly is a a beautiful uh, piece of spiritual literature that we have in our faith. Today, the fifth Sunday of Great Lent, I want to share with you some thoughts concerning an individual who actually ascended each and every one of those 30 steps. And her name is St. Mary of Egypt. And if you receive the monthly newsletter here from the church, you may have noticed or perhaps had the opportunity to read an article that I wrote concerning her life and the place that she has within our Orthodox faith. If you haven't heard of her or you've never read her, her about her life, what's been recorded, then you're missing out on a very extraordinary story. And I encourage you to do that. St. Sophronius, the author who wrote about the life of St. Mary of Egypt, began her biography in the following way. It is good to hide the secret of a king, but it is glorious to reveal and preach the works of God. This is from Tobit. So said the angel Raphael when he performed the wonderful healing of his blindness. Actually, Sophronius goes on to say, not to keep the secret of a king is perilous and a terrible risk, but to be silent about the works of God is a great loss for the soul. And I am writing the life of St. Mary of Egypt. I am afraid to hide the works of God by silence. And I think we all need to give thanks to God that Sophronius did not keep her life silent. St. Mary of Egypt is an icon of repentance, which is why the Orthodox Church gives her this place of honor and distinction of occupying the fifth Sunday of Great Lent. It's a time in our journey of Lent where we begin to get a little bit weary, perhaps, from the fasting, the extra services, not to mention the attacks of the evil one who seems to step up his game. At least I can speak for my own life, and my wife can attest to that. He steps up his game to challenge us as we step up our game to strengthen ourselves in Christ. We know nothing about her life as a child or anything about her family or what sort of experiences she had. 
we're introduced to her for the first time as a harlot. But what is it about her life that resonates so deeply with so many people and has led so many women to take her name when they've entered the Orthodox faith? First, I believe we identify with someone who has a life that is lost. Someone who had no true joy. She was trying to fill her longing, but in ways that were damaging to her soul. She no longer found satisfaction in the things that she once had, and she began to realize that there was nothing that could bring her to joy, especially the life that she was living. I also believe we identify with someone who got to the point where she felt shame for some, if not many, of the things she had done in her life, and she didn't want to continue down that path. The burden of that shame was too great for her. She felt it, and yet she continued on in the life because, well, perhaps it was the only thing she knew. But the shame became too much. And this is a very important point because it marks the moment in time when a person experiences, and even sometimes subtly, God knocking on the door of their heart and asking to come in. Because all of us have done things that we're not proud of, things we wish we could erase, even from our memories if possible. I'm not sure how you may have articulated the things that you're not proud of in life and to whom, but listen to the words of St. Mary. She speaks to Zosimus, the priest, when she encountered him in the desert. I am ashamed, Abba, to find or to speak to you of my disgraceful life. Forgive me for God's sake. But as you have already seen my naked body, I shall likewise lay before you, bear my own work, so that you may know with what shame and obscenity my soul is filled. I was not running away from you out of vanity, as you thought, for what have I to be proud of? I who was the chosen vessel of the devil. But when I start my story, you will run from me as from a snake, for your ears will not be able to bear the vileness of my actions." I'm sure those words weren't really easy for her to speak to a man who she considered to be holy, a priest of God who had come out into the desert during Great Lent to work on the purifying of his soul and his heart, and then to come across her as she saw herself in the description she just gave. It's never easy to say those things. When we come to such an awareness of our sinful state, we have reached a turning point. God's visitations don't always feel great. Sometimes God's presence, and oftentimes, invokes in us a state of deep unworthiness. And it doesn't feel good, but that's okay. No one can stand before God and feel worthy. But when we know we are loved, the feeling of unworthiness turns to the feeling of joy. When St. Mary was allowed to enter the church to venerate the cross... She first had to go through the experience of feeling unworthy. Later, though, she experienced the love of God and the mother of God as well. I believe we also identify with the life of St. Mary, who wants to know if there is anything else to life, something less painful than what she's experienced, and something more meaningful. Is this all that life has to offer? A life of prostitution? 
a life of being caught up and shackled by sin? Or is there something more? We identify with the fear of being left out of the kingdom of heaven. As I mentioned just a moment ago, when she attempted to go into the church, she was kept out by some force. And this struck fear in her heart. This is the ultimate feeling of rejection. We identify with the question of whether or not we think we can actually change and truly begin living a life that is so different than the one we've ever lived before. Because how many times have we attempted and failed and feel like we're not getting anywhere? We identify with that, with her. But as the story of the life of St. Mary unfolds, we begin to be filled with the greatest thing of all, which is hope. We see before us the transformation of a woman that most people would not think possible. But in this transformation, we also see the struggle of this woman. She didn't one day decide to follow Christ and then everything was good. She suffered in the desert an equal amount of years that she lived in sin. So we identify with her struggle against her passions that had been nurtured for so many years in her soul. And the roots of her sins had run so deeply in her. And even though she was no longer in the world and around the people and the parties and the temptations, the memories of of those times were still very fresh in her mind. Her body shook. It trembled because of the sin that had been cultivated in her was not wanting to leave. And she felt it physically. She wept in the desert for days on end until her tears dried up. She couldn't get them out of her mind. And in the midst of the desert, she continued to be haunted by those sights and sounds and smells. Because the devil doesn't let go easily. And this too is something we identify with. Finally, we are deeply encouraged at this woman's perseverance in the action of God's grace in her life. The life she once lived, she came to despise. The things that she loved, she began to hate. The life that she once thought was the life, she came to realize was not life at all. There is hope in this. This is what we identify with most. It's her courage to change, the perseverance of her repentance, and the action of God's grace that can overcome everything. If this was possible for her, it's then possible for all of us. I don't know where you are in your life or what part of her life resonates with you the most at this particular time, but we have before us on this day the life of a woman who I would venture to say nobody ever thought in her time would end up as an icon of repentance, occupying the fifth Sunday of Great Lent. So yes, there is hope. As long as we have the breath of life in us, there is hope. God calls all of us to this new life in Him, and it's possible for all of us. We just need to look at the life of St. Mary of Egypt. Amen.